Hey, everybody. Welcome to Simply Amazing. I'm Tim Ryder. My buddy Andrew Claudio is back with me. That's the good news. We have a little bit of good news today. Uh-huh. What's happening, pal? What's up, buddy? I usually turn to you for the optimistic side when it comes to this baseball team. And let me tell you, folks, I've talked to Tim off mic before the show. Even he cannot find the positive. His advice to me in in trying to spin zone the last four days in in Metsville is, well, the Islanders are like nine wins away from winning the Stanley Cup. And that's basically our only hope is hopefully you have a hockey team you can turn to. And my team, I'm waiting for the number one pick. So congratulations on the Islanders. Let's get into this joke of a baseball team, Tim. Yes, the Isles are my uh, my sunshine peeking through the clouds these days. But yeah, let's let's get to the Mets. Um, so the Mets have lost four in a row uh, after their loss on Monday afternoon to the just a one off. The Marlins came all the way to New York to go back to Miami tomorrow and play start a new series mm-hmm. as a makeup. Mets are now five games under five hundred, five games back in the East, and uh, yeah, things are looking bleak, pal. I, I don't know what to make of this. Um, I want to say that there's still life left in this team. Uh, shit, they just acquired, uh, you know, Tom's River legend, uh, <laughs> Todd Frazier. So I think we're going to be, um, you know, the tides the tides will turn soon, I guess. Why that's are they making any deals? That, that That's my biggest question. Why are they making any deals? And you will know I, better than I would. Apparently, this Kevin Smith guy is really good, right? Kevin Smith is okay. Uh, 23-year-old lefty. He was the Mets minor league pitcher of the year last year. Um, you have to wonder why include him in a deal like this. I mean, uh, what's his name? Castro, the right-handed reliever that they got from Baltimore. It's a good um, it's a good arm, but very, very, uh, I guess, eerily similar to Edwin Diaz, where he's got the oh, stuff. Oh, God, but don't tell me yeah. that. Well, um, <laughs> You know, potential plays. If they can, I, I love what Hefner does. I, I really think if Hefner had all his troops, uh, the pitching staff would be a uh, a strength on this team. But um, yeah, I, I get it. I guess uh, I, I have no idea why you go out and get Robinson Chirinos behind the plate. Um, you know, this is a 36 year old catcher, uh, statistically the worst, uh, second to worst framing catcher in baseball last mm-hmm. season. Um, it, it's Ramos, except Ramos has a bat. Chirinos doesn't. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, it's, um, it's all very confusing. It's Ramos, but older and probably a worse framer, which is kind of crazy because Ramos is already pretty bad on that list. Um, I don't understand what Brody's doing either. I don't understand why they're, uh, the season's not real. The, I'm sorry. The season just is not real. You could probably sneak into one of these eight playoff spots with the current roster as is. And probably have the same result because what they did today didn't significantly improve them to where they're going to go from the 10th best team in the National League to now the fourth or third or really legitimate contenders. So why are you making any type of moves that have any assets involved that you could use in the future when you're actually looking to improve the team going into a full season? None of this makes sense. Look, as far as the, the state of the franchise, let's just go back to Friday night. Like as... As all of us were, I mean, some of us didn't even get to really enjoy the Ahmed Rosario walk-off home run because Chadwick Boseman's death had just been announced, and I was reacting to that more than anything else. But in Mets land, in this little bubble, we had this, this moment where Steve Cohen has officially become the sole bidder and he is only negotiating with the Wilpons right now. 
And then Ahmed Rosario hits a walk-off home run in Yankee Stadium, and it's hilarious. And <laughs> since then, they lose on a walk-off wild pitch by former Yankee Dylan Batances. I mean, arguably the worst, I don't think it's debatable, the worst loss of the season on Saturday, on Sunday, which, I mean, we go back to Edwin Diaz loss against the Nationals last year, which propelled the Nationals to give them the confidence to eventually go win a World Series. I always looked at that as the worst regular season loss ever. And this is close because they were one out away with a five-run lead and somehow they lost an extra innings in this weird season with this extra inning rule. And then you get the nightcap where you have opportunity after opportunity and you lose uh, in extra innings again. And now you have today where DeGrom had the most swings and misses in his career in a start and still loses. Like he's not. And like, listen, four of his runs being three of his four runs being unearned is like typical DeGrom that even his defense lets him down. Um, I. It, the sky fell so quickly from that high of Ahmed Rosario's walk-off home run. And from thinking yesterday around 3.30 that we were going to get to react to, wow, the Mets might actually get to 500 in a 4 and one weekend against the Yankees to, and I, I hate to be this blunt about it and overreact. Tim, I think the season's over. I have no idea what where the savior's coming from where the run that they're going to go into over the final 25 games i don't see a path so i turn this back over to you all <laughs> eternal optimist what's the path for me to be somewhat optimistic that they turn this thing around over the final home stretch here you gotta win some fucking games bro like that that's that's the key it has to be the key you can't okay we have to win this many no win tomorrow Go after that and win the next day. Like, you got to win games. This is... Um, how like you, is my question. I, I, put, how, I mean, the Mets offense plays. Their their issue lies with hitting with runners in scoring position. I think coming into today, their on-base percentage was 349 as a team. It was mm -hmm. best in the majors. Um, I think their OPS was like six and six and change. It's like 650-ish. Probably okay. went down after this game, yeah. I'm sure it did. <laughs> and uh, and that's second to, second to worst in baseball. So... You know, I want to play off what you were saying earlier about how it's funny because, you know, even after, you know, just everything looking or seeming to completely fall apart over the last few days, um, a few wins and a few losses ahead of them uh, from the teams ahead of them. And they're back to being a fringe postseason team. So it's kind of funny that Major League Baseball has made this season, it, they've made games mean everything, and they've also made games mean nothing at all. <laughs> it, it's it's a sprint, so every that. game it's a sprint, so every game counts. Yeah, but there's also there's so many playoff teams that it, it does it really even matter? I mean, the Mets can win five in a row, and they can be in a in the middle of the the playoff pack again. And it, it's just like you said, it really doesn't matter. This is all just crazy. But um, you know, at the end of the year. There's still a tournament. There's still a series. There's still going to be a champion. And, uh, you know, the team who gets hot at the right time is going to do this. And, you know, unless the Met, the Mets are mathematically out of it, you know me. Yeah. There's there's no way to, um, to, to predict what's going to happen. They're playing with no life at all, and that has to change. Um, I do think Rojas has the tools to be a major league manager, but I think that the adjustments to what's going on right now is kind of has him swimming. 
I was um, waiting for that. Are you going to defend Rojas? He's looked extremely overmatched in his first. No, I'm, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. It's his first month in in a major league uh, manager's uniform. And he like should not have his first month in the majors be dealing with what we've all had to deal with, with seven inning games and uh, uh, rescheduling due to COVID and like, like protests that I'm for. Don't get me wrong. He's had a lot thrown in his face that no first time manager has ever had to deal with. Having said that, I don't think he manages his bullpen well. I think he leaves guys on the mound for way too long and then brings other guys in that aren't the most, like specifically Diaz, who has three bone saves, and I think two of them are from like inherited runner scoring. So his ERA is very uh, deceptive as to how effective he's actually been, but also like stop bringing him in with the bases loaded in a save my ass situation. Hey, um, he he had he had a sub one ERA over his previous ten starts right, I'm before say, Sunday. I'm saying like, he's. Um, I'm listen. I've 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 been one of the many Edwin Diaz is actually good. I'm not saying his ERA is good is bad. I'm saying it's deceptive because his inherited gotta, runner scores is. He's got to be used in the right spots. That's what he I'm saying. He can't come. In the right in, okay, so let me throw this at you because we've talked Please. about this when we used to pod together. The whole idea of an opener that I, I've just I'm begging the Mets in this weird season with their version of a rotation that everybody's hurt or everybody's bad. Um, they should switch to an opener like that's the the type of like a bullpen day every now and then. The problem is they don't have another they don't have enough starters to probably do this effectively. But would Diaz make sense as like throw him out for the first two innings? Type of guy, because I don't trust him at the end of the game with the lead, but maybe in a zero zero situation, you start him instead. Mm, I don't know. I think that would that would um that's such a change of pace that. Uh, uh, dude, what's the other know, solution for using Diaz? I, I you know, he was he was thriving at, in that eighth inning role the, the, where he's been the past few weeks. I so mean, no I know he's still getting situations. Just no, he's put, still getting some save opportunities. But, but um, oh yeah, but he hasn't. Uh, Tim, I know. I <laughs> We're know. Never I, gonna dude, agree a, on Edward a bullpen. Diaz. No, well, no, a bullpen needs stability. I, I understand that, and I think even speaking to former ball players who, who, who former relievers, I think Dennis Cook was on the show, and he said, you know, stability and everyone having a job is very important to a bullpen. Um, just kind of settling in, and the Mets have really never. They, they they've decided to go a different route. Um, I like having all the weapons. Well, uh, on paper, having all the weapons to kind of plug everybody everywhere. But I think Batances is hurting without a a a, a sure mm-hmm. inning to work in. Um, Familia, I think he's absolutely thriving in this. Put me anywhere, just let me pitch. Um, I think that maybe these guys can turn to turn to Familia and say, hey, you know help us wrap our heads around this, but that's, that's above my pay grade. Um, you know, you have to wonder, I, I want to talk about Rojas for one second, then we get back into the bullpen. So in a regular season after 35 games, um, you know, this wouldn't even be a quarter way into a year. So, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna have, I don't even want to say growing pains because he's been in a in a professional baseball dugout for for years now, but um, you know, adjusting to this game, adjusting to seven inning games twice a week, um, you know, he's gotta. I think everyone kind of has to just loosen up and say, hey, let's just have some fun and play some baseball because it doesn't look like guys are having fun right now, and that that also falls on the leadership. I think, but you you would know better than I would of his professional manager experience from his time in the minors, but. 
Has he ever been that that rah rah guy that like I don't know how much that even matters, but that guy that's gonna give you the speech or the guy that you're gonna want to play for because he incited confidence or is it? It's funny. Is it more just play as it lies, where if it, the team is good, it's because they're good, and he manages. You know. I mean, all, all, all we heard about Rojas was um, even keeled and uh, a quiet confidence, and that kind of spreads out to the team, as any leadership position does. You know, if your leader's calm and, and confident, your your employees or your players or whatever, mm-hmm. um, they're going to follow suit. Uh, and I think that's that's taken a. Um, that's taken hold to a certain extent, but you have to wonder um, just what's going on. Is it the I'm looking, I'm sorry. I, I'm looking up at the TV screen and Pete Alonzo. I am see too. His face. I see. He that, looks dejected. We can get into he's Pete He's saying later. the same things we are. Just we got to, uh, dude, they have to just get it, get it right. But I think it starts at the top. I would love to see more stability in the bullpen. And I, I'd like to see, um, <laughs> It's crazy to say it. I'd like to see Billy Hamilton in center field. I think it strengthens the rest of the lineup and it strengthens the defense. That, that, there you go. It strengthens a, the defense. Not about the lineup. But I no, agree no, no. With but, the it defense. Puts, but, it, but it kind of puts everyone back in their places, especially with Davis out because no one knows how long he's going to be out for. Um, Nimmo has not looked good in center field. I, I'd rather see him in left. I'd love I love Hamilton's defense. No, is Hamilton going to hit? Of course he's not going to hit. But um, – I think it gives the opportunity for the rest of the lineup to kind of really, uh, I guess, blossom and kind of fall into their own place, which all comes back to stability. But they, they just have to start winning games. There, there's no other way around this. There's, oh, we're going to hang in until we f- fucking Todd Frazier's going to save the day. Todd Frazier's not going to save the fucking day. I don't even know why he's here. If he's good for the clubhouse, great. They say <laughs> Chirinos is good for the clubhouse, too. But, you know, just start winning some fucking ball games. I'm sorry for cursing everybody, but. This is frustrating. I, man, you're the guy I go to for optimism. <laughs> and this is, this is what the Mets have done to you. Um, yeah, like my issue with the, my issue with all this is, yes, they have to start winning ball games. I don't know how they do it. That's my issue. And I remember when we first switched to Simply Amazing, I remember our first pod was right after the All-Star break last year. And the Mets were 11 games under 500. They were all these games out of both a wild card and uh, the uh, the division. And we said that something unrealistic is going to have to happen in order for them to not be sellers at the deadline, not completely uh, uh, throw away the rest of this season. And for us to enjoy the final two and a half months, something unrealistic would have to happen. They then went 27 and five over their next 32 games, which is kind of an unrealistic pace to maintain. But they did it in the second half last year. They also had a much better rotation. They had a much more productive lineup. which We could talk about the guys that are struggling right now. And now you get into that situation where, yeah, you should really only look at beat the Orioles the next two games. But. I have no clue who's going to close out the game for the Orioles. I have no clue who's going to get the big hit against the Orioles. I have no clue who's going to get you to the fifth or the sixth inning against the Orioles. They met have so many holes right now that the just got to win games is the unrealistic thing that we're asking for. Because I don't know how they're going to put together a five-game winning streak or even a two-game winning streak to get them back into this. And like you said, it's... It's extremely frustrating to watch a, a season that 
the Mets are definitely one of the eight best teams on paper going into the, this this 60 game season and they're probably not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think th- at this point that's probably a fair um so uh, a lot has to fair. change if if unless like and look, like is Pete Alonso going to bounce back? He absolutely can. Is Jeff McNeil going to become the player we saw last year. Yes, he can. Can some of these guys in the bullpen start pitching to what their peaks are rather than what their uh, their lower ends are? But yes, they absolutely can. But we're asking for a lot of ifs in order for this to happen and in a quick amount of time in order for us to even look at this season as somewhat as salvageable, let alone special, like a lot of us thought going into the year. Yeah, I mean, there's been bright spots and, you know, Alonzo was hitting the ball harder last week. Um, McNeil had a couple of hard hit mm-hmm. balls on, on Monday. You know, these guys are picking themselves up and, and, you know, there's always the potential for them to break out because they're just, they're, they're very good baseball players, but you know, uh, losing Davis, I think it, it kind of pulls, a, um, it pulls a string on this team. It kind of mm-hmm. pulls, uh, yeah. <laughs> and it goes to Dom Smith. I mean, Dom Smith is pretty much single-handedly carrying this team. I mean, that's a pretty fair. Um, exactly. <laughs> I think that's it's, fair. Uh, him and Conforto are the only people. Oh, yeah. Conforto, like like I mean. having the most consistent year right now. Like you'd argue Cano, obviously, we have to throw him in there. Obviously, like, I apologize Very to Robinson pleasing. Cano. Very like, encouraging. Those three Hopefully. are the only three hitters. I mean, even Davis had been struggling the last two weeks, so I can't even throw him in there. But I thought like he'd had a like an, an OPS over 800. I, I'm not going to say he's had a bad season, you know? Um, yeah. Streaky, but yeah, not bad. I. The so before we move on, before we move on, speaking of hitters that are performing well at the moment, <laughs> I owe somebody an apology, and I owe, in fact, two people. I owe you an apology, Tim, and I owe one Luis Guillorme an apology. <laughs> so, a little over a year ago, almost exactly, because it was right after that weekend series against the Nationals, where I attended one of the games, the infamous Todd Frazier game, where he tied it up, and then the Conforto walk-off, where we all thought this is 2015 all over again. And then Saturday, Luis Guillorme, in his 100th career at bat, hit his first major league home run. And I laughed it off that this career minor leaguer was also contributing and beating the Nationals. And I dismissed him as a quadruple-A player. Uh, He has hit to the tune of, like, I think he's batting 420 with an OPS over over 1150 right now. And I didn't think he was I didn't think when you said that he can be a consistently good major league player, he was going to be Wade Boggs. But (laughs) I owe you both an apology. And I'd like to just formally from the bottom of my heart, Tim, and there's a drive to left by Castellanos. That'll be a home run. It's four nothing <laughs> Reds as we move on in the game. I don't know if I'm ever going to be behind this mic again to tell you this. So, Tim, I apologize for my doubt of your knowledge of the Mets farm system and obviously <laughs> your projections of potential analysts. Because not only do I think Giorme can be maybe not a starter, who knows? Like th- this sport is weird sometimes, but. I definitely think there's a role for him in the majors, especially defensively. And dear God, now that J.D. Davis is going to miss significant time, fine. Todd Frazier can play, but I want to see, like, here's what I'll say. Let Luis Guillaume play every day until his average goes under 350. How's that? Let's just start there. And then once it dips, he can get a day off. But he's just, he. It, I have so much more confidence in him at the plate over so many other guys 
in that lineup right now. Like, I fully expected him to tie the game this afternoon when he came up with Conforto at first. Um, and he hit a ball right at somebody instead. Uh, so that is my formal apology about Luis Guillorme. The, the floor is yours, sir. <laughs> well, it's funny because Luis Guillorme is showing everyone that, yeah, he can hit and he, he can hack it at this level. I mean, from August 5th to August 19th, I'm reading off of my tweet from yeah, last ahead. night. From August 5th to August 19th, he hit 520, 567, 640. It was only 30 plate appearances, but... You know, this is a guy who's always put the ball in play. He's always made solid contact. He barely strikes out. And, you know, we saw shades of it at, towards the end of last year. I think he was hitting something like 280 or 290 from August 1st through the end of the year last year. And again, it wasn't a whole lot of plate appearances, and they were very sporadic, but that's even more impressive. Um, the Mets have continuously held him back. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, you heard me last year. I was saying I really think that he could translate his success in the minors to a, you know, a solid cog role in the majors. And, you know, he's, of course, it's still a very small sample size, but he's been doing it. And then, you know, from August 19th until last night, uh, he had a pinch hit appearance in the late in the second game yesterday. Uh, you know, he only got five plate appearances mm -hmm. and yeah, this is a heavy, it's a, it's a big roster, but you know what? Jimenez was out. He was out for like a week. And so was everybody else. But, you know, we've always seen managers here play the hot hand. And um, it's 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 uh, I'm sorry, it's unprudent to say that uh, Rojas is making his, you know, making his lineups. I'm sure the front office still mm. has input there. And, yeah. you know, we'll never we'll never know the answer to that. But that's neither here nor there. You know, Guillaume has shown that he can hit and he was hot as white hot. <laughs> um, it's just kind of depressing to see that they kind of throw logic out the window when making some of these decisions. Um, Seth Lugo, Seth Lugo, who hasn't started a game uh, until this year uh, in a couple of seasons, you know, Sunday in the fourth inning, he was at like 43 pitches. He already had it out. Um, just to call back to your opener thing from before, like that was your clear cut opener spot. Mm -hmm. let, let Lugo go three and strike out nine. Cause that's what he's been doing. You know, that's that's how to get off on the good foot. Um, before Matt's got hurt, I think that would have been a perfect little lead in to give Matt a hopefully pressure well, less pressure situation and just let him do his thing. But the numbers back that up too, because Matt's it's like glaring in all of his numbers that the third time through the order, he's terrible. You know, once yeah. pitch once batters get a look at him, I look look if I maybe I was a little hard on Rojas before for his managing of the bullpen and some of the decisions that have been made. If we're just calling this organizational incompetence for not giving uh, uh, Guillaume an inadequate chance to, to stay hot, you know, not uh, using openers correctly, not knowing, not having a, an overall game plan that I'm all on, on board for, you know? Yeah, I guess, you know, in a season like this, um, I guess you have to kind of think outside the box and be a little bit unconventional, unconventional, but yeah, yeah, there's been some head scratchers and sure that falls on the manager. But again, you know, any first year manager, 35 games in, they're just getting started. Now he's finding himself, you know, fighting for a playoff spot and there's 20, 25 games left. It's, um, 
it's just very odd. I, I, I don't like people. Oh, Rojas sucks. I don't like that at all. I, yeah, I'm, I think I'm not, that, um, yeah, I'm not there. I promise you. I'm not. I'm not. No, yeah. no, no, no. There's been a <laughs> I lot. I speak for those people. people. I promise. Yeah. There's been a lot, a, a lot of talk mm-hmm. on social media. Um, you this know, guy's that, oh, also he, fallen for him. Like ev- oh, oh, so much has gone wrong. Burnt, yeah. Bro. Yeah. Flushing is burning. Where right do you now. stand but, on Seth Lugo? Do you want him to stay in the rotation or do you think he should get back in the bullpen? I think next year, get him back in the bullpen. I think for right now, I love Lugo for three and then pass it off. If you can set up your bullpen and, and schedule you guys correctly so you have competent arms to follow him on a day mm-hmm. like that. Um, a lot of ifs I, in there, too. <laughs> there, there's a lot of ifs there, but yeah. you know what? The only non-if has been Lugo, who in these when he's starting games, he's striking out seven in three innings or, or he struck out nine in four. One. Like, you know, it's been very impressive. And it seems like wherever you put him, that's good. But um, I think on Sunday, and I know, I know hindsight's twenty twenty, you kind of have to look back and say, oh, well, you know, maybe after those three really, really effective innings where I think he – you know, I think he still only left the fourth with one run, which was very impressive. Uh, I forgot who come who came in to clean up that mess, but anyway, Jason Shreve, Jason Shreve, yes, Jason Shreve, who's been outstanding. Yeah. I, I love the splitter, love the splitter. Anyone who throws it, I'm a fan <laughs> of the splitter. I'm not kidding. That's like my favorite pitch. I, there you go. I'm trying it's to. Th- awesome. I tried to think. This is where my my brain cramp. I'm trying to think of a pitcher that threw a splitter that you probably would have loved. Then, uh, Wheeler. When Wheeler wow, came back, yeah. When Wheeler okay. came back, he incorporated that as his strikeout pitch, and I absolutely fell in love with it. And Tanaka, Tanaka's splitter is absolutely nasty. Uh-huh. And then he then he tinkered with it, and he throws like a different sink, a different splitter now. Um, and it's like it rotates different or some shit like that. So and the splitter is your turn on, yeah. Oh my god! To see those things fall off the table, it is. It's the turn on. It's you, most definitely. Are you watching SNY right now? It's on mute. God I, damn it! I, they just put up the standings. The Mets are only two and a half out of a wild card spot. It's so yeah. annoying, man. Dude, it, it I just started to believe. Oh, you gotta believe, baby. You gotta believe. Yeah, that. I, I don't think we've ever talked. I hate that. I hate that slogan. The Mets and really? their, in their entire franchise have never given me a reason to believe. I'm getting it tattooed in like uh, old English letters. Oh, no, I get it. It's our like slogan. If uh, you, I'm not surprised at all, would get that. The eternal optimist. It's just like the Mets have two championships in their franchise. And one of them is a footnote to the Red Sox collapse. And the other one is referred to as a miracle. In every other situation <laughs> throughout their franchise, it's been, well, how can they be disappointing? Every single time they've made the playoffs, it's ended in disappointing fashion. And yet I got to believe Believe in yeah. what? Believe that the worst will possibly happen, which is why you hope that an owner like Cohen can come in and, and change the culture from top to bottom. But who knows? Um, I'm oh, with no, you. That's the hope, man. It's hope. I don't think but settle for anything less right now. I agree. But so, like, just real quick to the Lugo thing. <laughs> yeah, please. I don't mind. You know me. I love jumping around. Let's I do don't. It. I don't know what other options you have in the rotation at the moment. And I was at ta- the moment, like zero. I was talking to Meek Phil yesterday about what's up, Phil. Like, what's the yeah, what's the, what up, Phil? Um, what's the alternative? And he said, like, there's obviously nobody, but I'd rather have him closing out games with leads than if he's just gonna pitch every four days, than like just using him for four innings right now or using him for three innings. Like he's only thrown. I think was it six and two thirds over his two starts. And yeah, 
we're so all of that could have been used in big situations that they've blown games lately. Like there, there's two spots this weekend that we could have used Seth Lugo. And it's almost, are you, are you valuing the outs that he'd get at the end of the game more than the outs that you get at the beginning of the game? And all of this speaks to my overall apathy with this season at this point where this season's not real. Like I can't really give Rojas an adequate, uh, uh, anal- anal- analysis of his first uh, of his managing style throughout his first 35 games because this season is weird and I can't really judge what to do with Seth Lugo or make a call on that because fine make him a starter but treat the rest of this season as a fake season and extend its retraining for next year and see what you got get crazy with it let Guillaume play the rest of the season why not but then as we now get into the moves from today to then now trade parts of your future and assets for guys that are supposedly supposed to come in and help you win games. It just, it's backwards. It's conflicting philosophies. Does this season matter and you're actually going for it? Or is this season just this weird year that you can experiment with and you really shouldn't make any, any rushes to judgment? You know, (laughs) I think he kind of just got to go with the flow. And and I know how that bucks all the trends of traditional baseball, because like I was saying before, structure guys, guys need structure, guys need stability, but you know, this is a, um, this is a funky season in funky, even funkier times. And you kind of just got to, you got to go for it. If, if, if Lugo starting the game and getting out and getting everybody on the right foot works, you know, you kind of have to go for it. So then why not, if you're going for it, why not make one of these trades for a starter? Like, if that's the case, why can't you trade for a starter and get Lugo back in the pen where he's their most effective reliever? Oh, because because Brody sees it more valuable to bring in a 37-year-old shitty catcher. And so, a, uh, so and you a agree, tie- this is not... We're we're oh. not agreeing with Brody's whatever he sees being the no, correct this is way. Yeah, bonkers. yeah, it's bonkers. It's, it's I, I think Brody knows he's a lame duck and... um. You know, maybe he just stopped caring. I I don't I really don't know. I don't see him getting another job in 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 a front office after this. His comments last week. (laughs) I think that solidified that. Oh, that was (laughs) such (laughs) bullshit, bro. That was. Oh, oh, somebody leaked it. Oh, we accidentally turned on the camera. Bullshit. Yeah, that I was agree. that was all a ploy. And, uh, you know, I you know me, I'm, I'm I have a bit of a conspiracy theorist in me. But you think that was all oh, Michael Jordan was, was suspended for two years. Oh, let's yeah, let's. We we won't go down that road. It's okay. <laughs> no, yeah, I I took my lumps on that, and that'll be that. Um, but I I don't believe a fucking word of that whole. Oh yeah, yeah. Was it? I Sorry, thought there was a lot of on. saving your ass and and protecting your job after at, with the statements that came out. It's funny. I actually was like pro Brody, Brody Van Wagenen for an hour. When we no. saw the hot mic and what he said about Manfred, that he, like, he doesn't have a clue. I was actually like, yeah, yeah, Manfred's clueless. Yeah, Brody, that's right. That's my GM. Then the Mets have that moment with Dom Smith on the field. Well, not even just with Dom Smith, just in solidarity with the Marlins um, before the game and then before what ended up not being the game. Like I was actually proud to be a Mets fan. Two minutes after they left the field was the statement from Brody then he goes behind the mic and gives another statement. Then you get the statement from the commissioner saying, I've never suggested that the players play anyway. I stand in, in support and solidarity with them. Then you get both statements from each Wilpon misspelling Brody's name. 
in defense <laughs> of their friend, Rob Manfred. And it just it it's the quick reminder that until there is a change of ownership, this is one of the more incompetent franchises ever in, in all of sports. You name it like like it, it, it's from a PR nightmare. It, it's up there for all time worst. Like, it, let's uh, let's rewind it. Let's take it back to Dom Smith on mm. what was that Wednesday night? This Wednesday night, yeah. Um, you know, it, <laughs> there's a lot going on in the country right now. There's a lot going on in the world right now. Uh-huh. Um, Dom Smith put it all out on the table for us, and uh, you know, it, it, if that, I don't want to. I want to choose my words carefully. Go ahead, you're good. Uh if that doesn't get you thinking that, you know, what's right and what's wrong, if that doesn't make it clear for you, hearing someone's pain and feeling someone's pain. And um, it, it, I know we took a hard left here, but to tell the good? rest of this, you got to start with it. it it's um, one. It was just, you know, brave, courageous. But for people watching Dom Smith open up like that, you know, maybe for people who don't have the same viewpoints on society, um, that had to turn on a light for some people. And it was such just a, 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 of course you could like, you could see how upset he was with everything that's going on, but it was such a positive to have it brought to the forefront. If that makes any sense. Yeah. yeah. And the Mets just shit all over it hmm. with their, fucking nonsense the next day um i that i i you can't say that it was um you know that they meant to do that but god it just it i'm sorry go ahead i'm 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 at a loss i really am i'm at a loss for words that's this is our first episode back Uh, yeah like i it's the most frustrating part of all of it is the takeaway from thursday night should have been that the mets reaction to what Don Smith's comments were after the game, which look, I I'm in full agreement with you. You and I have actually gone back and forth on what solidarity looks like. And in that moment, I actually was like, damn, they shouldn't play tomorrow. Like why'd they even play tonight? Like, what are we doing here? If they shouldn't have played Wednesday, they, they even made him play through this. If this is how he was feeling for nine innings, like what are we doing here? If, If like baseball is so secondary at this moment, which is why the next day, that moment on the field was extremely powerful. Them doing the post-game press conference with him was powerful. And the takeaway should have been that baseball flaws and all is united. And only only the incompetence of the New York Mets could overshadow that with a, a who's who of who said what, you know? And, and it's really unfortunate that that's not the t- that that ends up being the takeaway is wow, LOL Mets. Rather than wow, like bravo solidarity. Um, yeah, I look as far as like what's going on in the country at the moment. Empathy is the easiest thing that you can do and give to anybody in 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 a situation. If you grew up with a little more privilege than others, then you've never really had to show that much empathy. And that I think is the awakening that this country is going through is understanding that other people that don't look like you grew up differently. And Dom Smith growing up in, in like one of the rougher parts of the country is clearly still left with some trauma. And that's why the the thing from his comments that I took away is he's not asking for, 
donations to his charity, which he obviously like would appreciate. He's not asking for um, uh, specific like things you could sign up for or go protest. He mentioned about how in his foundation, like your time is the most important thing. Like if you're an athlete with a platform, yes, you should speak up, but actually going and spending time in these places that are a little more disenfranchised is the more important thing you can give because it might inspire somebody that, wow, that athlete, that that person took time out of their schedule and dedicated it to me. Maybe there is a little more good in the world than my circumstances would lead me to believe. And that that to me was my takeaway. And I think regardless of how incompetent this front office is, that should be the takeaway from all of this, especially from from Dom Smith's comments. Yeah, I, I just I, I was so. Um, You're shook by this. It, wow. Yeah, I really am. I dude, that was um that was beautiful. I mean, as as hard as it was to watch seeing someone that you know, and the whole fan athlete thing, it's as old as time. Like seeing a, an athlete that, as a fan, you know, I love Dom Smith. This is my guy. When he got drafted, I'm like, oh, he's going to be a player. Watch, and like to see his evolution as a ball player, as a person, kind of coming out of his shell, and us, like. We we know, of course, we don't know Dom Smith, but boy, we get a really, we have a much better idea of who this man is. Um, and the more we learn, just the better this story gets. Yeah. And, and he's and he's hitting now. Just the pain that this man went through is clear. The pain that he's still going through, and many, many, many other black people uh, across the country and around the world. Um, this isn't just in America. Like it's probably by far the worst here, but that's neither here nor there right now. Um, just the pain that's, that people are going through. Um, the, the, the ones who are coming out and telling their stories, just, you know, I'm, I'm white, I'm a white guy. Just the best thing that we can do in my opinion is listen, Mm -hmm. feel, feel that pain. So it can like, let it, let it hit you, let it punch you in your fucking gut. Like it, let it, um, You know, let it let it sit in you and let it change your mind and then fucking bring it out as love. Like, uh, I wish I, I wish I was uh, I wish I had better words right now. Not the, it's clear how much this affected you and it should affect everybody. And yeah. and, 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 and it's not like uh, there there are people who are who, who, who have it much worse than I do. Right. And, um, you know, just listen that that's my that's that's what I got from Dom. Cause I, I, it was so powerful, his message and all, all, all I did was listen and, and it struck me and you know, it, I, I'm, trust me, I'm, I'm down with the movement and all that, but, um, it hit me so, so, so profoundly that, you know, I, I just, I want everyone to feel this way. You ever see Scrooge? Uh, no. Wow. No, I haven't. You never saw Scrooge? I've never seen Scrooge. No. Holiday yeah, well, movies I- I'm tough with. Cause like growing up in a religious background, every yeah, Night okay, during the yeah. holidays, I was out doing something with a church right. somewhere, you know? Right. Okay. So basically he makes a nice long speech at the end and it's, I want to feel this feeling every day. And and I want everyone to feel that feeling that mm. I was feeling that night. Like I, I was inspired. I was, yeah, I, I know I'm repeating myself, but it was, it was just so, so powerful. And, uh, you know, the Mets 
just they they <laughs> they threw a wet blanket on it. They messed with it all up. Their, yeah, <laughs> they messed it up, and it's hopefully this is all going to be over soon. Uncle Stevie's going to come in, and he's all of our uncle now. Mm-hmm. It's legal. Which there is the actual silver lining if you want to head that direction. Is that it's official? Steve Cohen is the only person in the running for the Mets sale, and he's yeah, but. Well, they could, but they could but. still mess it up. They could still mess it up. You know, they can, they, you know, all they have to do is say something stupid. Jeff Wilpon's going to get in the room and say something dumb. And, you know, I know MLB, I think they're going to open him with, with, with they're going to welcome him with open arms, but, uh, it would take yeah. an extraordinary amount of ego for them not to sell to Cohen. Cause the more you read, that's like the only reason A-Rod and JLo got involved was because Jeff Wilpon didn't, want to sell to Steve Cohen and did everything he could to try and like every hit piece that you saw against Cohen, every pro A-Rod piece that you saw out there. Like he used his ties in the media, like typical Wilpon behavior to try and <laughs> I'm sorry. Like go we've ahead, seen go it like good fundies. Uh, Brian had that, that long article that solidified my view that Wilpon's forever, how they manipulate the news cycle. It's similar to what the Knicks have done with Porzingis. It's like we forget that like this guy was our unicorn and now he's like a bitch that I'm never going to root for, which some of that might end up being true from a, an emotional perspective. But at the end of the day, the facts in this matter seem to be that Jeff Wilpon really doesn't want to sell to Steve Cohen, but his brother-in-law, Saul Katz, was like, dude, let's just get this money and get out of here. No one likes us here. The franchise is at a position where they could actually succeed. We'll still own 5% of the team and we'll just like kick back with our feet up and our $4 billion. Like At the end of the day, are you a businessman or are you going to let your ego get in the way of a business transaction? So I hope now we can head toward the, the smooth waters of Uncle Stevie takes over. And we move on with hopefully an actual New York owner owning a New York team and spending in and under those same uh, with that same reputation, you know? Well, I think that's the only thing that's holding him back with MLB right now is that the other owners. um, I mean, (laughs) we've seen the uh, the landscape of the of the financial market Mm -hmm. of baseball change over the last few years, especially when it comes to player player. Excuse me. Player salaries, I got tongue tied. You're good. Um, the only waves that the only waves that Uncle Stevie's making here is spending money on players, which would buck the trend that pretty much the rest of the league has uh, has adopted. Which you know, no one's really spending like crazy anymore. And is the that teams true? that were slow, well, you know, the teams that were spending a bunch are slowing down. Um, you know, the Red Sox, they're attempt they were attempting to shed payroll and they were up there uh the dodgers are still spending and you know i think the mets with cohen backing them i think they could be right there i mean uh because i looked at it more that teams are being much smarter with how they're spending like it's way less of oh a guy's a free agent but let's go spend all throw our money at him like in the late 90s and 2000s we saw these ridiculous contracts being thrown around two guys turning 32 years old and we just ignored the back four years of the contract we focused on the first six and now yeah. you're getting much smarter teams with much smarter gms that are taking advantage of arbitration and extending guys instead that you already have rather than going out in free agency like the the contract we all can look at is the pools contract in the moment 
like you thought the the Angels stole one. Like, oh my God, they got Albert Pujols, one of the greatest hitters ever, and he still has uh, like two years left on that contract, and he yeah. is like a liability no matter where you put him. He is a backup first baseman and probably more a backup DH at this point, which is a lot of money to spend in that kind of role. The Miguel Cabrera contract can be looked at the same way, and it's contracts like that that GMs are avoiding now. So I don't know if I necessarily look at it as teams aren't spending. They're just much smarter with how they spend now. And also like with revenue sharing a thing, why wouldn't you want the Mets to start being a team that spends like a big league market? So that's why I yeah. actually push back that owners would be against the Mets becoming more profitable or much more of a lucrative franchise because it actually would help some of the smaller market teams that could benefit from revenue sharing or them going into the luxury tax. Oh, for sure. And, and, you know, when, and this goes for any professional sport, in my opinion, you know, if, if New York is a hot market and if New York has a winning team, it's great for the league because this is the biggest market in the nation, arguably the biggest market in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think what's good for the goose is good for the gander as far as MLB. And I do agree with you that, Teams are spending more wisely to an extent. They are taking advantage of arbitration years. Uh, you look at a team like the White Sox, who went out and signed Lewis Robert to this huge extension, and um, you know before he even played a game. And you know it, it's just it, it's it's wise to an extent. Sure, are, are that are the players you know are the players being handcuffed financially by getting locked into a deal when they would have hit free agency two years before and then maybe had a mega payday. It's possible, but it kind of works for everybody and it's a contract. So it is what it is. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad that the mega deals for, you know, players 30 plus are kind of, you know, falling by the wayside. Um, and I do like the idea of, you know, giving out your, your, you get in your mega contract when you're 25, 26, mm-hmm. 27, 28. Mm-hmm. And, hint, and really hint, Michael Conforto, hint, hint. Oh, exactly. That's exactly who I'm talking about. He's having a wonderful year. He's, he's stepped up leadership wise. I mean, he's been the first to talk whenever it's been like COVID related mm-hmm. player stuff. And, um, you know, he's really stepping up. He's having a fantastic on field season and off field as well. But, you know, I just like going back to the culture change, with Cohen, it's not just a culture change. It could be everything fucking change. It it could be great. Like it could be, um, it, it, lots of ifs, but it, it could be, it could be everything. Yeah. It could be nothing, but it could be everything. Yeah. Just one thing we know for sure, regardless of if Cohen is good or bad, he cannot be worse. I do not see a way that, Anything could be worse in the current situation that the Mets no, I, are in. I think I think A Rod and J Lo, as much as I appreciate and respect them as business people, um, they were scraping together money. I've said this before on the pod. Oh. They were scraping together money just to buy the team, and it would have been the same shit, if not worse, than the Wilpons. I think. Uh, I think I, I, they have no money to spend. Right, but I'm. I agree that financially it would have been the same. There's no way, as far as culture goes, that. Having the Wilpons not be here, any, be here anymore, the only way to go is up. They 
from what oh, they just like, addition by subtraction dude what it's they've so- done as far as the meat like the way that they use the media to try and spin how bad a person's yeah steve cohen's bad every billionaire is probably not a bad person i'm looking at it strictly from a, of a business perspective that i'd rather have the guy that automatically becomes the richest owner in sports if he buys the team than you know you first of all jeff and a rod who i'm still not sure how much money he has yeah, I don't think that he has a whole like. I'm sure he. I mean, he's very, very wealthy, but he ain't Cohen wealthy. Yeah. And none of those, none of the fucking 85 people in his in his in his bid were are are, are Cohen wealthy. Like, I, I just, you know, it would have been more of the same in my opinion. And you know, thank you for your interest. We appreciate it. I hope A Rod can come on as a minority owner mm-hmm. just so he can stick it to Jeter. Good do for you, him. Do you listen to the Levitard show at all on ESPN? No, Radio? I love Dan Levitard. I was a big fan of, uh, uh, what was his live show during the day on ESPN? Oh, it's still highly questionable. Yeah. Uh, they still no, have no, no, no. The one, no, the one that was in the morning. It was oh. the Dan Levitard show with the whole radio crew. Those guys were great. Oh, the, the radio show. Yeah, I guess yeah, they, that's what I'm saying. they still de- televise it just because of COVID. They haven't been able to. Um, oh, dude, during the those day. guys are great. Yeah. So um, he has uh, David Sampson on every Thursday on the on the on the local hour that they put on mm-hmm. through the podcast. And Sampson obviously used to be the president and GM of the Marlins, uh, won a couple oh, okay, of championships, yeah, yeah. like now the host of Nothing Personal. And he's openly talked about because. David Sampson, when Jeffrey Loria came to him and said, I want to sell the team, was the the negotiator throughout with Derek Jeter and Bruce Sherman. And Sampson has said now that he's no longer obligated to be a, anything to the Marlins legally. He's been an open book about those negotiations. And he's openly said how much he played A-Rod and Jeter against each other because they both <laughs> were trying to get in on being an owner. And he knew if I go to Derek and say, well, A-Rod just up the money, like you got to bring more. And that's how he's able to get the Marlins for $1.2 <laughs> billion. Uh, and he commented about the Mets situation saying he sees that exact same thing playing out that clearly Steve Cohen is going to win the bid, but Wilpon has brought his buddy A-Rod in to try and make this interesting and create the mirage of a bidding war. So I'm glad that this nonsense is over and hopefully this is smooth sailing toward a, a final sale. But I, yeah, I, 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 maybe if financially it would have been the same or we'd be frustrated that A-Rod and J-Lo aren't spending the same money. But I don't see... I just I, like as a person, I actually think, which is wild to think a rod I would I would make I would make the judgment call that he's a better person after the things we've seen throughout his career uh, than the Wilpons. But uh, th- there's so much I, I encourage people to go check out uh, good fundies, the, the long form research piece he did on the Wilpons and their history of manipulating people and taking them down through the media, even like smaller people. I use that term oh, loosely, dude, like they've, people they've in the organization, like to everybody getting they them did it to David Wright. Yeah, seriously. Dave, at David dude, Wright, like the captain, you know, when, when David Wright was up for his extension, you know, Fred Wilpon, I think I want to say it was in the New Yorker or maybe the New York times. He said, he's not a superstar. Mm-hmm. Like this is a guy who, was one of the top five players in baseball throughout his career up until that point from, from his debut up until that point, he was a top five player in baseball. Now he's not a superstar. Um, you know, just to kind of change the narrative. And and it was just, ah, yeah. You you know, you you have the same five journalists all 
just you know carrying water and doing other doing the will ponds bidding for them and we won't name them by name and you know who they are mm-hmm. and it's um you know like i said bringing cohen changing the culture it could be everything yes and let's just let's just hope it is your uh your boy uh well i guess our boy uh mike mayer is going in on the mets right now <laughs> is he really yeah it's like oh, calling for stuff. brody's job and the, my favorite tweet brody van like you start reading it and you're like, wait what uh brody van wagon has done a fantastic job destroying the mets pitching death uh just got this text from an agent on Mets deadline moves in quotes. Mets gonna Mets. Um, Robinson Chirinos is 36, has five hits and 12 strikeouts this year. His defense ranked 76th out of 89 by baseball prospectus. Um, yeah, like second thing, fire Brody and bring in a real GM, not a talking head for the Will Ponds. Amen. Thank you, Mike. Mike Bayer. There we go. Um, so, yeah, deals are official. The Mets owe three players to the Rangers because all these guys, it's a like Kevin Smith and five players to be named later is what got the Mets the players they got today. So those are the official final. Oh, and the Mets got $360,000 in cash considerations from the Rangers. So they they did technically get money out of this, Tim, for whatever that's worth. Oh, I'm sure, you know, it'll be divvied out amongst the um, amongst the front office. Yeah, yeah. Damn it, they're showing five, five days in Flushing again. We got it. Oh, it was a fun week. I hate it. I found out that there's a lot more hate for five days in Flushing than I than I thought there was. Because I'm tired of hearing about the same five days in a franchise that's existed for 59 years. I, I want to see I want to see like the whole yearbook from 2015. I want to see like the whole like season recap video. Well, that's that's where I'll give you amazing finishes. I was actually yeah. like they took me down a, a they're during the rain delay over the weekend. The yeah. t- the 2008 season, the 2000. Well, they did the 2019 season. Um, I think I saw 20, 2007 and 2008. Yeah, 2007. That's what it was. Uh, regardless, the, 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 the SNY programming when it like it's not bad. I'm not saying that it's just they have like four things to show. I would love yeah. for them to like give me the Piazza piece that you did for his Hall of Fame weekend. Give me some David Wright stuff. How about this? Do something like Yankeeography where you do something on all the Mets. I would love to see a, a Metsography on Johan Santana or Edgardo Alfonso or Carlos like Beltran. Gary do, do like Thank Michael Kay does. Yes. Like Gary Cohen just sit there and interview people. That's, I'd watch that every night. That's the one thing as we like, I guess, wrap up the seeing like the, the SNY versus the yes network. Like obviously let's go Mets and like screw everything the Yankees do, but like uh. Yankee, why well, I know you're, you're not as strong on this. I, it is ingrained <laughs> in my DNA to be anti-Yankees. So that's that. really, yes. Uh, why no? Oh. I uh, listen, I have way too many annoying Yankee fans in my life to be that way. I admire them <laughs> as a franchise and what they've accomplished, even though 20 of their championships happened before every team was integrated. So how high was the level of competition anyway? Um, but Good call. I I I just have way too many Yankee fans that have told me how little I know about baseball because they wear pinstripes to work. Um, so anyway, uh, that's it's just impossible for me to not have some anti-Yankee blood in me. Having said that, I admire <laughs> and I, I really appreciate how much programming they actually have on the Yes yeah. Network, whereas the Mets have like four things to show when the Mets aren't on. And it's like legitimately frustrating because I'm like, as far as five days in in flushing, man, 
you, so the only celebrity Mets fan you could get was Jim Brewer. So yeah. I, that's what we've established. <laughs> so I, I don't get the Jim Brewer thing. Like why this is a guy we just turned to and said, you're the, the celebrity representative. But like Jerry Seinfeld wasn't available. Ralph Macchio wasn't available. Like, what are we doing yeah. here? You're SNY. Give me, I, give me fucking cowbell guy. Thank I, you. I cowbell, cowbell man. Guy. Exactly. Tim Ryder <laughs> of Simply Amazing. Oh, that'd be fun. There you go. There you go. That'd be fun. I, I you know, I, SNY, we, we've butted heads in the past. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's not a mesmerized SNY thing. That was just, you know, I called them out on their bullshit. And um, I recently did. So I think they took a, um, they took a tweet, like straight up ripped it off from somebody. And I mm-hmm. said something. I said, hey, not cool. And they actually reached back out and said, hey, we apologize. I'm like, oh, don't apologize to me. Apologize to the person you stole right. it from. <laughs> but um, it, it was still very nice. And I, I want to make peace with everybody. I don't want enemies. But uh, Except the Yankees. No. I, I know. I don't you love the – I know. You're like your third I, team you, is the Yankees. Whoa, 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 I know. Whoa, whoa. You just say I love the Yankees? Yes. No. I, I'm convinced. I don't, you're I a don't closet Yankee fan. You were happy you're how a, this weekend went. <laughs> you're a Yankee lover. <laughs> no, I don't I don't mind the Yankees. I'll watch them if the if – the, I'm going to watch them tonight. Yeah, I'm not. Well, I'm gonna root for whoever they're playing. I'll say that much. No, they're an exciting team, dude. No, how not. can they're you? Yankees. How can you hate on trying to win every year? Uh, it inspires a fan base that annoys me. I don't pay. Tim, attention. I'm not being that, rational. I'm not being rational misstep. here. It's an that's emotional misstep, thing, my friend. That's Ooh, your sports are emotional. I'm supposed to pay attention to. Don't the pay noise. attention to the fans, dude. Like there are smart Yankee fans, but the majority, especially on social media, the majority of them are just spoiled brats. You say this like I actually go to Yankee fans and say, "Hey, tell me about your team." No, they volunteer. Their opinion <laughs> at every possible chance, Tim. That's the issue here. They do. I admire their success. They haven't finished under 83 wins since 1993. And even then, like, like they, they, they were living through the Mattingly Winfield era. And that ended up being the best thing that ever happened to them because it ended up leading to George getting suspended, which meant he wasn't able to trade away prospects like he consistently did, which meant they could not trade prospects like Derek Jeter or Bernie Williams or yeah. Mario. It was the eighties in, it was the 80s in New York, bro. People yeah. were uh people were distracted by many, many other Oh things. yeah. Yeah. That's that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> a whole other episode if we want to really get into it. Yeah. But um, um so yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah, you know, eh. I'll say the they, bite of the subway series didn't exist this weekend because this just is a much watered down version oh, of the Yankees and the Mets. I don't know. Every I'll time the what. Yankees won, it was like, wow, the Mets lost. You know, I like Clint Frazier. I know Yankee fans hate Clint Frazier. I love Clint Frazier. I, I want Clint Frazier on my team. I don't know where he would play on the Mets, but um, I like Clint Frazier. I, I really like him as a ball player. I do, too, except for the uniform he plays in. <laughs> How about the mask? He's hitting dingers with a mask on. You got to good like for that. him. I would love if it was an orange and blue mask. Unfortunately, it's a navy blue mask over some pinstripes. So, hey, Jim, you know, Jim Brewer's if, on my screen, man. I don't get it. I don't if get we, it. <laughs> if we listen to Yankees fans, um, you know, P- Michael Pineda was better than Jacob Degrom. We would have traded Jacob Degrom and and Zach Wheeler for uh, who was it? I think it was Frazier and someone else. For anybody, but, like the, that's the other attitude is that every other team is their farm system. Yeah, oh, we exactly. need a bat, Cashman. Go get this guy. It's like actually, well, like you don't need that. You just need to get healthy. Is what you need. Well, think about think about why they think like that. After 
you know, 30 years of just a free agent bonanza every year fielding an all-star team. Um, yeah, but they're, they're used to that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that I'm sure they're crying like little babies today that, Oh, we didn't make any moves. See, uh, even you have disdain for Yankee fans. Why are you not there with me? Because I don't, why I you don't, don't take it out on the actual the team. team? Okay, I, yeah, no, I don't dislike the team. I, you know, and I don't even dislike Yankee fans. There are some that are just obnoxious, but I just pay them no mind. I, I want to say it's it's the one upism of of knowing, haha, I can root for your team better than you can root for your team. Right. That annoys I, me. I think that's it. I think I pinpointed it. Like, there. oh, I can I can appreciate your team better than you can. Ha. Yeah. That's that's every Yankee fan ever. <laughs> yeah. That's why I no. root for the Yankees to lose. So they don't know they don't have anything to root for. Uh, they can go rewatch the 1926 World Series of white people versus white people. And then, oh, wow, we won. <laughs> white people won, Andrew. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's a great way to end this podcast. <laughs> we have fun. Whenever you come back on, bro, we have a blast. A blast, dude. I love it. I love it. It's all, it's obviously, the Mets knew that we were doing a podcast this weekend. Otherwise, they would have actually won games and not given us something to complain about for an hour. Dude, you know? they, def- they definitely knew that we were recording right after the game, right after the trade deadline, mm. or else they wouldn't have acquired Todd Frazier. Yes. Yes. A very boring... Uh, see, I actually don't hate Todd Frazier, too. I don't hate him in at the all. Right, I'm excited that he's back, but it, why is he here? <laughs> exactly. In the right season, he'd be like, oh, it's actually like a solid pickup. Like, he can spot start every now and then, a trusted veteran off the bench, good clubhouse presence. But, man, I just the season doesn't matter. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? You know what? As long as we didn't give up. I mean, and I, I want to say everybody was player to be named later, except for Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. Um. We'll find out who they are. I just hope it's no one of of consequence. I was legitimately scared when Beatty and Allen and all of these guys got added to the 60 that Brody was going to be like. Mauricio scared. Yeah. Like I thought that we were headed for like all three of them for Trevor Bauer or something like that. Oh, no, no, thank you. Yeah. I think Bauer, I think Bauer's a good pitcher, but I think he's also going to revert back to his career medians pretty well, soon. Here's, here's even better. I also think he's a free agent this offseason. So how about Uncle yeah. Stevie just opens the checkbook then and signs Ooh. him instead? Sign them all. You bring Real Muto, you you bring mm-hmm. uh you bring Trevor Bauer. I mean, go go nuts, bro. You got a the $16 billion man um sitting at the head of the table. This is gonna be awesome. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Tim, this was fun. Dude, this was a blast. Yeah. I, I hope I didn't keep you too long. Oh, not at all. Not at all. I we've, oh. we've reached the five days in Flushing, so the only thing I have to do is not watch that the rest of the day. This isn't an S- anti-SNY thing. When the first time I saw five days in Flushing, I was like, oh, wow, this is fun. It's just we're now five years later, and you're still showing it like it's like the only good thing that's happened. Oh, wow, because it is the only good thing that's happened to the Mets in the last decade. Wow. That's yeah, sad. Kinda. Damn. Uh, I just got really yeah. impressed. As the, uh, that's yeah, the appropriate got, I'm pretty way. sure you got me too. That's the yeah, appropriate way too. to end the podcast. <laughs> All right, everybody. That's going to be it. Uh, great time. You know where to find us. SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find podcasts, that's where we are. Um, you guys have to check out Andrew's podcast. It's Final mm. Score with Andrew Andrew Claudio. Andrew, what's the um? You, you have a separate Twitter for that one, right? Yeah. So Final Score Pod is the Twitter for for that pod. You follow me on Twitter at Andrew J Claudio underscore. Uh, we do a, a a specific show every Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, where it's a rundown with 
Uh, my buddy Brett Herskowitz from over at Gotham Sports Network, where we what's up, Brett? Yeah, we go there. We we do final grades, some pass fail, and some extra credit, kind of like a class. Um, and we go through all the recent topics. Then later in the week, it's a, a niche show with a countdown or an interview or predictions. I'm gearing up for the NFL, <laughs> which is strangely actually going to happen in the next couple of weeks. So we're I've been working on a preseason predictions podcast for the. Uh, for the not too distant future. Uh, are you pumped about Logan Ryan? He signed with the Giants today, last minute, or is this football season even real to you yet? No. Yeah, I haven't even given the football season a, a second thought. Yeah. This is the latest I've waited to even look at a fantasy magazine because I just, I think it's really like, a, I'll wait till I see football before I actually think football's going to happen, you know? It's a very physical sport, bro. Like, I mean, if they if they can keep everyone in their own, every team in their own bubble, maybe they can make it work. But uh, yeah, very, very, uh, very iffy. We yeah, shall see. Yeah. Well, that that's my pod final score available wherever you get your podcast on the Overtime Network. And yeah, Tim, as always, man, thank you for for having me on. I I, I miss talking about one team in particular every now and then. And I commend you for sticking with this being the team because they're always going to give you something to talk about, even if it's not always something positive. But uh, as someone who obviously produces and listens to this pod, I appreciate you letting me come on today. Oh, dude, you know, I appreciate everything you've done for me. And uh, yeah, we can get we can get into the whole sob fest if we want to. But <laughs> yeah, this is uh, it, the feelings mutual, bro. Likewise, this is uh, it's always fun. And yeah. Uh, never a shortage shortage of uh, of content with this organization. There never. you go. There you go. All right, everybody. We will see you next time. Let's go, Mets. Find us anywhere you listen to pods. Simply amazing. Let's go. And in the words of the immortal Gary Cohen, we are out of here. Let's go.